This is Bless You Boys Podcast 110, recorded Friday, May 2nd, 2014. Why am I so outraged? Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Two for the price of one for the Tigers. And the man from Walla Walla will take that one home. Michigan and Trumbull. Michigan and Trumbull. There's never been a corner like Michigan and Trumbull. BlessYouBoys.com, SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog. Dicks around the last week of Detroit Tigers baseball. I'm your host, Al Beaton, co-managing editor of Bless You Boys. Joining me this week, as always, is the man who uh, who is the kingpin of the west side of the state. He's also the kingpin of a uh, of a certain uh, Little League baseball team that's doing fairly well so far, and that would be... Uh, our resident, I guess you would call him Gadfly at Bless You Boys, and that is Hookslide. How are you doing? I don't know. What's a Gadfly? Uh, is that a, that's a bad thing, as I remember. No, actually, it's more of a, what's the uh, uh, best way to term a Gadfly would be someone who... Uh, fly in the ointment? Yeah, fly in the ointment, causes, uh, comes in and out, causes trouble, steps away, causes trouble, steps away, that kind of thing. So Then uh, to that I say buzz, buzz. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, as always, uh, to get a hold of us, you want to talk to us about the podcast or anything you see on Bless You Boys, for that matter, please email us at bybtigers at gmail.com, bybpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, at Bless You Boys. As of late, that's normally myself, Hook Slide, Rob, and Melissa. So take your pick. And, of course, we're also on the Facebook, facebook.com slash byb.tigers. Other, you can just look up Bless You Boys in the search box on Facebook. Come right there. And please follow us and like us. We do post a lot of content out there. And if you ask me, um, I'm sure Hookslide would agree, we have a very entertaining Twitter account, especially during games. Absolutely we do, except when I'm on there because I don't know if you get this, but every time I announce that I'm taking over the Twitter account, I get this slew of responses from people that follow me mm-hmm. saying, oh, God, no, not again. <laughs> I, I must be doing something wrong or maybe right. I'm not sure which. <laughs> but, yes, we try to be funny, snarky, and maybe throw a few facts out there as well. I have no idea who's supposed to be on Twitter tonight. It might end up being me. I have no idea. So I don't know either. Yeah, I have a feeling it probably will be, so I'll probably be doing double duty. Anyway, 
Uh, we, there is a lot of news this week. Well, it was all kind of bunched in towards the end of the week because, as usual, the Tigers barely played uh, three days off thanks to um, weather and obviously a couple scheduled days off. Uh, we're recording this on our usual Friday, a few hours before the Tigers take on the Kansas City Royals. But our our casual morning was rudely interrupted by breaking news. It went down while I was in the shower, as these things always seem to happen, and that would be uh, Joel Hanrahan. Uh, earlier in the week, there was uh, there was a I guess the term would be in the uh, they, he, they, he had a showing I guess kind of like a a pro day for a college football player where he put on, you know, he wanted to prove that he is recovering well from Tommy John surgery, and numerous teams showed up to watch him throw. Tigers were one of five teams who were reported to be very interested in Hanrahan, who, before his Tommy John surgery, was a very, very effective uh, relief pitcher. He was actually an all-star closer for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, this morning the Tigers announced, well, it leaked out that Hanrahan was going to sign with the Tigers. The Tigers made it official this afternoon. And a 32-year-old Hanrahan, uh, who's known to be a hard thrower, but right now he's building up because of the Tommy John. Uh, he's been signed to a one-year contract, which is rumored to be worth $1 million guaranteed, up to $3 million total if incentives are included. We don't know what those are. Uh, he is obviously coming off Tommy John surgery, so the Tigers really don't have a time frame at this point for Hanrahan, other than they're hoping he will be back in five to eight weeks. Um, this is one of those things, Hook Slide, where we told people the bullpen you see in April is not going to be the bullpen you see in July or August or whatever. Right. And this is a sign that, yes, the Tigers are aware they have bullpen issues. Uh, and this is a great way to do it in that Hanrahan's a very talented player. He's got a lot to prove. So, you know, he wants to be a free agent next year. He's done it in the past. This is just one of those things where I think this is low risk, high reward, and you know for the money they're spending. And the odds are, you know, Hanrahan probably won't be the same guy he was with the Pirates, but he should be an upgrade over most of the guys they have in the bullpen right now, especially the ones named Phil Coke. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and I understand just from some cursory, you know, uh, viewing of the stats and whatever that he's actually got some pretty good splits against lefties too. So he might be uh, someone who, as I've said on you know past podcasts, who can be a right-handed pitcher that can yeah. still be a lefty specialist, so to mm-hmm. speak, and that's that's good. But um, I was surprised mm-hmm. by the by the signing. I, I I saw the rumors going around whenever it was last week, two weeks ago, that uh, the Tigers were part of that showcase uh, where Hanrahan was pitching, that they were out interested, and I thought you know I, I really didn't think a whole lot of that at the time. Did you? No, not really, and I wasn't sure how fast the. Uh... Uh, the process was going to go. This is one of those things where uh, a lot of teams were involved, and very often you would expect uh, the usual suspects to be involved, like the yeah. Yankees and the Red Sox, things like that, and the Tigers were thrown right. in there. But I just had the feeling at the time, anyway, that the Tigers were included in this group just because the obvious need for a, a help in the bullpen. I really wasn't sure if they were going to go for Hanrahan, but... I, in a way, they kind of surprised us all. But we'll, we'll talk about how we shouldn't have been surprised. But yeah, right. I, I, I didn't. I wasn't really expecting a move this quick. No, I think it's maybe part of it subconsciously because there were so many other teams kind of involved in looking at that piece that I thought uh, maybe I anticipated a bidding war of sorts and thought you know the Tigers aren't going to blow a bunch of money to pick this guy, which they didn't yeah. end up you know doing that. But 
I guess just with some of the um, talk about, you know, so we've said there's not a whole lot of internal options, but you did have guys like, uh, you know, Corey Knable mm-hmm. on the table and, and uh, just, I don't know, I, I, I did not suspect that they would go out and get, you know, a, a paid for piece like yeah. they did. And I'm glad that they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's something that they had, you know, they really did have to do because, uh, they seem to be fairly settled with Nathan and, and Jabba Chamberlain at the back end. Everything else is really kind of up in the air. Uh, and it's more so, well, well how this is going to help, I'll put it this way, is that I think the Tigers are okay towards the back end of the pen when you got Nathan. Chamberlain has pitched well. You look at the numbers. He, he sure has, has not pitched bad at all. And, and neither is Al Albuquerque for the most part. You know, he's – but Albuquerque's Albuquerque. You know, he's going to have games where that slider's not working and he's hittable. But what this will do is give the Tigers more flexibility in that seventh, eighth inning uh, uh, role, that setup role, and then push guys who had been forced to, into that role, the uh, uh, the Buconans, the Reeds, uh uh, the Crows, those kind of pitchers, maybe put them, move them down the line a little bit, so where they're more, well, they're not being used in high leverage situations, and we've seen, I think, a little bit too much of that. But some of that also had to be blamed with there was that stretch where the Tiger starters, for the life of them, couldn't get through five innings without throwing a hundred pitches. That, yeah, that was <laughs> bizarre. Yeah, it was one thing after another. Whether it was you know the weather interfering or you know you get Sanchez with a blister on his finger. Yeah, you're right. There were some situations where they had to go to the pen, you know, by the fourth inning or the fifth inning, and that's um, it's just not built to handle that. Yeah, not this bullpen. Right. And as for any uh, roster fallout, we really don't know what the Tigers have planned just yet. All we do know is that to get him on the forty man, uh, they. Uh, uh, moved uh, Mike Bellafor, who was uh, recently picked up as a, a, a guess what, a left-handed reliever, <laughs> right, right. who was uh, pitching for Toledo. Uh, he was moved off the 40-man. His contract was outrighted completely to AAA Toledo to make room for Hanrahan. Obviously, we don't know what they're going to do when the time comes when he's ready to come to the big league team. And the Tigers don't have to make any kind of roster move until Tuesday when Robbie Ray gets his first start. We will talk about that in a little bit. But for all the people so, who are yelling, oh, now they can get rid of Phil Coke. Uh, that's not happening anytime soon. Sorry, guys. No. No. And I have to plead some some ignorance into the, the specifics of how these, these contract things work. Um, but, yeah, when I read the news that Belfiore had been uh, outrighted to Toledo, I didn't quite understand what that meant because he's already in Toledo. Right. So for them to outright his contract, is that sort of like they come to him and say, listen, we know you're in Toledo, but now you're really in Toledo? Yeah, essentially now the the Mud Hens own your contract. The Tigers don't, essentially, is the way to put it. So would they have to buy that contract back if they wanted to bring him up? Yeah, there would be a little bit more involved if they want to bring him up at this point. And when when they make a move like that, that pretty much means we really don't think we're going to have a use for him. I would imagine. Yeah, So because of the extra hoops it would involve. So, you know, it's... You know, and as they say, it's always worth a shot taking uh, a flyer on a left-handed pitcher. Who knows what will happen down in the future, but this is a proven relief pitcher who has got numerous big league hitters out, and I really don't see any downsides of this Oaks light other than if he sucks. But, again, <laughs> that's that's the mean. This is a low-risk move because the money is minuscule. Well, but he went right to the disabled list. Yes. So there's there's your problem right there. That, yeah, that's the only thing. But the, 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 the you know, you don't want to rush the guy either coming off of Tommy John, and that's why when I was uh, first you know broached this topic, 
I mentioned that the odds are good he's not going to be the all-star closer type we saw with Pittsburgh. He's probably going to be decent, but it usually takes a good season to get past Tommy John surgery. And right. Sometimes longer. I mean, look at uh, Jabba Chamberlain, for example. So, yeah. you know, it's very, it's, it's very, I just, this is one of those things we got to keep our expectations under control somewhat. Uh, the Tigers did sign him because I'm sure they saw, yeah, he looks like he's on his way to being big league ready. But when you're coming off a of surgery, you, there's no guarantees, unfortunately. Right. And, you know, it's, like I said, it's a low risk situation because here you do have a guy who's a two time all star and those numbers look pretty good. You know, in those years, he was a closer. Mm hmm. So, and to be coming back in, I know he's not going to close, you know, for the Tigers, but I think I read the quote from his agent saying that, you know, that's still ultimately their goal. Yeah. You know, is to get him back to that position where he can be a closer. And, I mean, who knows? Maybe he ends up, you don't know how long Nathan is going to last. Exactly. You know? Yeah, so good point. Maybe way, 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 way down the road, mm -hmm. you know, Hanrahan will be, be become the guy that can slip into that into that role. I don't know. Yeah, and that probably does play why into Hanrahan signed with the Tigers because he sees an opportunity to really showcase himself to help solidify a team that is struggling uh, out of the bullpen. So, you know, so if he, if he comes and pitches well, saves the season, well, I, you know, I think he'll do pretty well in free agency next year. No, I, I would love to pitch in the Tigers' bullpen at this point. I would look good. <laughs> I'd love to do anything out there. You know, I would take up ice sculpting in the Tigers' bullpen because I would look awesome. Yeah, and, and, and obviously, too, he wants to play for a contender. Who wouldn't? And the yes. Tigers definitely had an opening. <laughs> they're, they're probably the best team out there who really desperately needed a relief pitch. So, and, and how about these these mm -hmm. uh, quotes going on about how, how Tory Hunter was the one that kind of recruited him? Tory Hunter, I, if he doesn't go into television work, which I would, if I was a betting man, I'd say ninety five percent sure of that's what he's going to do when he re finally retires. That guy could make a career as a corporate headhunter. Uh, it seems like everybody uh, who signs with the Tigers. Oh yeah, so I talked to Tory Hunter. He recruited me. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> and who wouldn't want to play on a team with Tory Hunter? I yeah. Mean, Cool guy. Yeah, he seems a lot of fun, and he takes all the heat. So exactly. Yeah, but yeah, that that was funny. That came up because it came up during the Nathan uh, negotiations. It, it seems to come up with every free agent that yeah, I hear from Tory Hunter. So uh, you get the impression to if you whoever meets Tory Hunter thinks he's become best buddies with him. Yes, yeah. it just seems like that kind of guy, very warm and mm -hmm. outgoing, and uh, I would love to to meet meet him someday. Yeah. <laughs> So, moving on from the bullpen, because uh, as if we haven't harped on the bullpen enough over the, since the season started, this is one of those uh, things where, I guess, I, I, as I titled it in the show notes, why haven't we learned that the Tigers do realize things are wrong and they do go to fix them? I mean, look back over the last couple of years. Uh, the Tigers do what they need to do to, to keep the team competitive. Victor Martinez tears up his knee. The Tigers sign Prince Fielder. Johnny Peralta gets suspended. They trade for Jose Iglesias. Fielder no longer fits the Tigers' makeup, what they want to do with the team. They managed to trade what a contract everybody thought was untradeable, and they got a very, very good player, a very useful piece, a guy who fits into the team better now than Ian Kinsler. Now the bullpen's a dumpster fire. They find the best available arm in Joel Hanrahan. So uh, this is the old, you know, it's a, it's a trope, but it's true. You know, put your trust, trust in Dave Dombrowski. He's not an idiot. And, yeah, not every move is going to be perfect. I mean, it, the Alex Gonzalez deal was kind of a well, a, a disaster, but, uh, yeah, but, but it, it, it was, yeah, it was, 
what, he what, bailed what, out on it, didn't yeah, he? I mean, yeah, that's, and that's a great point, that he saw it wasn't going to work, so he cut ties immediately. Right. You, you, you had to you know, have a little bit of – let the guy's track record speak for itself. I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, he's not going to be infallible you know, in every move that he makes. And I know a lot of us you know, are still maybe questioning the Doug Fister trade, mm-hmm. um, perhaps a little bit less now that uh, Doug's been on the DL for a long time. And mm-hmm. we're going to get to see uh, Robbie Ray. We'll talk about that later, I know. But uh, – but yeah, like you said, the, the, he's got a, Dombrowski has a track record of, of doing what needs to be done and making some very smart moves. Yeah. Uh, as I said, even even when it doesn't work out, in the case of Alex Gonzalez, he didn't you know tether himself to that bad move mm-hmm. for the rest of the season. He he got rid of the guy. So yeah, yeah. When, why haven't we learned? Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, because we we panic at small sample sizes and we are sports fans. Yes, exactly. It's in our genes. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. But uh, again, uh, it, it, it bears repeating over and over. The team you see in April is not the team you're going to see at the trade deadline. It's not the team you're going to see in September, and hopefully not the team you see in the playoffs. I, I think we're all pretty sure that if they're not in the playoffs, it's going to be a there's going to be hell to pay. Because even right now, with the Tigers supposedly not playing very well, hook slide, they're still in first place. I mean, once again, as we led the show with last week, this is still the worst first-place team ever. Uh, right now, they're in first place by two games in the Central. They have a 14-9 record. That's the second-best record in the American League. They're playing 600 baseball, 609. They're 7-3 over their past 10 games. And I, I just found it funny when I posted this stat on Twitter after they uh, won their game uh, on Wednesday afternoon, uh, a follower jokingly commented, but it was a very pointed joke where he said, "That can't be right. Why am I, why am I so outraged?" And that, <laughs> and, and, and that really sums up how everybody kind of feels about this team. They go, "This team should be playing so much better. Uh, they should be running." You know, uh, you no, know, this is the same stuff we've heard over the last three years. But the, it's early in the season, and even though they aren't hitting on all cylinders, they're, you know, the timing's off. There's, there's a misfire there somewhere for the most part. This is still a damn good team. Right, right. And it, like I always say, it goes back to whether you take the long view or the short view, mm-hmm. um, whether you can step back and look at the season as a season, as 162 mm-hmm. games, and kind of say it's, it's going to be okay, it'll even out, or whether you really, really, really get heavily involved in analyzing everything just from an at-bat, by at-bat perspective. Mm-hmm. Because... Like we said, you never want to see them lose, ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's not a single game that I've watched that, I, that they're losing that I think, eh, okay. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. it's always frustrating that you go, hit the damn ball, you know, and, and let's let's give people their due. Um, the bullpen has made things difficult. Yeah. So it does seem like every game is, you know, there's always that kind of nagging question, are they really going to pull this one off? Are they, mm-hmm. is, is two runs enough? Is a four-run lead enough? You know, are we going to get through this one? So there's both things going on. Yes, they're good in the stats, uh, in the standings, and yes, every game is sort of like a, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what's going to happen? <laughs> you know, and it's uh, it's something else that we really need to remember about this team is that this is ever since 2006 when Jim Leland had that explosion when the Tigers uh, really went through the motions in a getaway day loss at home and. That was really the one time where he really lost it at his team. The Tigers, ever since then, I never, I, I try not, even though it does happen. You know, we're all human, we're all fans. 
you, I, you can't write this team out of any games. I mean, you see it all the time. Oh, my God, they gave up three early runs, game's over. And, and yet they come back. No, we saw we saw that a few times this past week, where the, and they came yeah. back to win games. Yeah. Uh, that's the one thing that I think we we as fans tend to forget. Uh, this team falls yeah. behind early is nothing. Uh, how many times have we seen this team come back in the late innings, almost out of nowhere, to pull off victories? And it, it, but again, uh, that we're fans and we have very short memories. Uh, and, and very short fuses. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I count myself in that, you know, in mm-hmm. that group because mm-hmm. um, there was that that game. Just uh, golly, wasn't it just this past week? Yeah, um, it feels like I, everything is so disjointed right now. I don't have any sense of time. Right, uh, but it was. Let me look here. The game against uh, Chicago. Yeah, right. I believe you're Where right. They, uh, that was the one they won four three, wasn't it? Yep, there yeah. it is. And that was just that was Tuesday. Can you believe yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking months ago. No, that was just Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. As, yeah, as, they were down three runs in the third inning, and they they scored a run. In, uh, they came back, scored four consecutive runs, the last in the ninth to win it. Right. Yeah. So that that was a, there's a case in, in point, you know, where uh, even I, you know, mm-hmm. watching that game and saying, oh, there goes the first three runs in the third inning, and yeah, already that, that temptation there to say oh, yeah. this is this is done, you know. This this isn't going to work out the way we want it to, and they're not hitting uh, Jose Quintana, you know. And look what happened. I mean, yeah, it was a nail biter, and, and yeah, it took them until the ninth to, to finally pull it off. But exactly to your point, mm-hmm. yeah, it takes nine innings to finish a game. You can't count them out at any point, mm-hmm. even if it takes a, a glorious bunt to make yeah. it happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, we'll get into that a little bit too. Yes, we will. It's, uh, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, and. And almost all of us, at least for most games, we're on the social networks in one way or another, you know, on our own Twitter account or running the Bless You Boys account. And oftentimes we voice that inter- inner id fan of us, you know, who starts complaining about the bullpen or, or bitches about falling behind early or, or you know, makes fun of a toot plan. But, again, that's part of being a fan, and that's why uh, uh, safe, there's a couple exceptions on our staff. But for the most part, we're not journalists. We're fans, and that's how fans act. Yes, especially because we're heavily influenced by the stats and by uh, beer. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes, and, and as always, remember, I always consider Kurtz a journalist, and actually so is Catherine. So, that's right. Uh, and the rest of us are just interlopers who uh, have loud mouths. That's right, and access to the Internet. Yes, exactly, and access to a site. And bingo, there you go. All right, um, while we're kind of talking about uh, the Tigers haven't hit on all cylinders but are still playing halfway decent, well, we're actually one month into the season, uh, being that today is uh, May 2nd. So I'm with you. I can't keep track of days or time anymore because you get so used to a season being – Game every day, game every day, and this this season has been so disjointed. It's yeah, awful. I know they're they're playing tonight, and I honestly yeah. had to think. I, I felt like it had been about four days since their last game, and I realized no, it was just two days ago. Yeah, like like the second Chicago game, I had no idea it was an afternoon game. I had no none whatsoever. So, <laughs> luckily, I caught it before I realized. Oh yeah, I guess I got to do a recap in about twelve hours. So, <laughs> but we're one month into the season, and. Anything we talk about when it comes to numbers, there's we have to remember this the caveat. The Tigers have played the least amount of games of anyone in Major League Baseball, uh, anywhere from two to four games less than everybody else because of the 
schedule quirks and having a few games rained out. But uh, and actually, Patrick did some nice research on this, and actually, so has John. They've both written posts about uh, where this team stands a month into the season. And offensively, you know, they aren't pounding the ball, but they really have been above average in most offensive categories. Looks like they're not they're first in batting average. And otherwise, they're in that fourth to seventh rating in American League when it comes to stats like OPS, runs per game, on-base percentage, slugging, that sort of thing. But the one red flag we're seeing, which we pretty were sure was going to happen going into the season, is that the power numbers on this team are way, way down. They're only 14th in doubles, 12th in home runs. And, but, again, uh, the other caveat being Miguel Cabrera is hitting the ball, but he's not hitting for power. And I think those will change no. as well when he starts really getting, you know, whenever he gets figured out that, yes, I'm healthy and I can pound the ball. And aren't those stats funny? Yeah. I mean, to hear you say that they're 14th in doubles, you said? Mm-hmm. And, and there was just this last game where they had, you know, three doubles in one inning, and it yeah. seems like they, they hit those frequently. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised to hear that they're that far down on the list. But it's, you know, like I said, the math is weird sometimes. Yeah. Um, I just saw this the other day, too. For, it was uh, Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, during Wednesday's game. You think about how often Victor Martinez is hitting the ball right now. Yeah. And it seems like every time he's up there, he's, he's getting a hit. Mm-hmm. And he had another great day on Wednesday, and I looked down and checked his batting average, thinking he's got to be, you yeah. know, 350, something like that. Yeah. 400, you know, yeah. small sample sizes, whatever, but it's got to be up there. No, it's under 300. Yeah. <laughs> okay, something is just... Yeah, it's, it's the same thing when um, I, you know, I try to, li- when I do recaps, I try to list hitting streaks, uh, you know, in, in the bullet points. And I, no one realized that Tory Hunter was on an eight-game hitting streak uh, as wow. of Thursday, you know, and <laughs> and and he and for all the struggles he's had, Tory Hunter's hitting three hundred. So uh, yeah, you're right. right. It's, it's so early in the season, uh, these numbers really fluctuate a lot. If, like for that matter, Miguel Cabrera, uh, it, within a week, uh, raised his average seventy-four points. You know, so I think the worry about him is, is uh, was much over overstated. But uh, right. I am concerned about the power because other than Cabrera, who's going to hit home runs? And yet they're doing it, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they still seem to be, at least those first couple of weeks of the season, I guess it's maybe kind of tailed off a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it seems lately it's been a lot more long, long fly balls to the warning track, whether it's, you know, Cassianos that's doing it or Cabrera that's doing it. Uh, uh, you know, so, yeah, it seems like, They've got to bounce back from that, though. Yeah. And and I was looking to it there. I always like to keep an eye on their um, overall run scored, runs allowed, run differential, that whole thing. And they still have a plus nine run differential, mm-hmm. even though they are down. Yeah. Uh, from from last year, they're down eleven runs in terms of total runs scored from from that yeah. from yeah, 2013. So yeah, they were getting a lot more power last year. But you know what? The record 14 and nine right now is better than the 13 and 10 mm-hmm. that it was last year at the same. Time. Yeah, but you remember last year it seemed like the Tigers would either win ten nothing or lose one nothing. Yeah, yeah, yep. They they had a after twenty three games last year they had a run differential of twenty one. Yeah, and so yeah they were having some some serious power streaks and runs there for a while. Um, mm-hmm. But you know to me this this says uh, that they are they're able to score more consistently. Yeah, and um, that the the defense and the pitching is doing a better job. Yeah, and that's a nice segue into the starting pitching in that the rotation, as we expect it to be, is top-notch. They lead the American League in the fielding, in field, in FIP, fielding independent pitching. Uh, 
they're also, uh, uh, I believe, very high in, the, I believe, the first in K per nine innings and home runs allowed, least home runs allowed per nine innings. And, of course, they top uh, the American League in war out of their starting rotation. The rotation is second in ERA and third in inning pitch per start. Well, that's another one that surprised me, considering really? there was that stretch where it, no one could get past five innings, it seemed like. So, uh, there's you know, and this is uh, without uh, – with Drew Smiley having a god-awful start because he still can't get his uh, uh, actually get into a rhythm, and Annabelle Sanchez uh, blowing up his uh, his finger with a blister. So uh, we see these numbers, and yet you feel like, boy, the rotation still hasn't performed to their capabilities. Strange, isn't it? Because yeah. if, they're, if they're third in innings pitched per yeah. start, I mean, mm-hmm. God, that's got to be all uh, Max and Justin. Yeah, Verlander. that's got to be. Because those are the guys that are consistently doing, you know, Seven game starts at least, because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, both. Uh, well, I guess Porcello had a couple good stretches too, but it seems like both uh, Annabelle Sanchez and mm-hmm. Drew Smiley have had you know shortened starts for different yeah. reasons. Yeah, exactly. And so, but uh, I, I, once again, there's not really a lot to worry about in the rotation. You know, the offense looks solid. It really gets comes down again to the bullpen in the numbers Patrick put together. Now uh, the bullpen has been well awful. They're 14th in the American League in the ERA. And uh, also in home runs allowed per nine innings. That's a that's a disturbing stat. And they're twelfth in FIP and tenth in in uh, WHIP. So wow. And this is one of those things where, the, the, oh, okay, that's why they signed Hanrahan, and uh, that's why we've they've kind of started the shuttle b- between uh, Detroit and Toledo. But uh, but that'll so, so change too. And we got to remember, Joe Nathan had an awful stretch as well, and, and Chamberlain had a, had a bad week or two. And again, these numbers can change fairly quickly. Not so much the bullpen, just because they don't pitch as many innings, but they will change. Yeah, over you know over a couple of months, I think. And yeah, like you exactly. said, the, the back end of that bullpen seems to be settling down nicely. I mean, I'm certainly not at the point now where I was in the first week of the season, kind of getting nervous when Chamberlain came out, or getting nervous when Joe Nathan came out. Um, you know, when either of those guys takes them on now, it's, I have a reasonably, you know, confident feeling yeah. that, that they're going to be okay. Um, but boy, the, let me just point this out then. Cause I'm just, I'm thinking through this as you're saying this, that it, if you're saying the Tigers are, are basically way up near the top in, in their starting rotation, mm-hmm. but not so much in their offensive power or in their bullpen mm-hmm. and take those three kind of key component pieces, compare that to the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. Okay. Cause I think they're out slugging the Tigers, mm-hmm. they're scoring a lot more runs. Yes, they are. Yeah. So they got a better, we'll say for now, they have a, a better performing offense at least. Um, but their starting rotation is not anywhere near as good. And their bullpen is worse than the Tigers. Uh, oh, me, definitely. That just, <laughs> that, just, that just highlights mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the difference between having superstar offense and really good starting rotation because that seems to be the difference. Yeah. It, the, the numbers are sort of flip flopped, I guess, between the, the Tigers and the White Sox, and look at where they are respectively in terms of you know uh, the win percentages yeah. right now. Yeah, and it's another thing to note is just how uh, with this team, with baseball in general, how pervasive Tommy John surgery has been. Because if you look at the Tigers bullpen now, uh, Al Albuquerque's had Tommy John, Joe Nathan's had a Tommy John, uh, Jabba Chamberlain's had a Tommy John, Justin Miller has had a Tommy John, Hanrahan, Tommy John. And obviously, let's not forget um, Bruce Rondon, who's uh, go- who's had Tommy John surgery this uh, this year. 
right? That's right. amazing. Fact, I'm, <laughs> I'm undergoing Tommy John surgery as we as we speak. So I don't know why. And, but, uh, and it's funny when I was growing up, when I was a kid, every one of these guys, their career would have been over. Right, yeah. right. I'm, I'm shocked to hear that Justin Miller had. Yeah. Tommy John, because what did he have it when he was thirteen or something? I mean, geez, <laughs> Actually, to, uh, Matthew B. Mowry, one of those must-follow uh, beat writers on Twitter, uh, he writes for the Oakland Press. Uh, his is in 2012. No kidding. Yeah, Albuquerque 2005, Nathan 2010, uh, Java 2011, Miller in 2012, and Hanrahan uh, last year. That's, and that's obviously, that's 2014 will be. We can add uh, Rondon to the list. That's right. Right. <laughs> yeah. We should, uh, I don't know, there's, there's got to be some kind of sponsorship money to be made yeah. <laughs> somewhere. I don't know how. But, you know, but thinking back to to pitchers whose career would be totally different if they were pitching now compared to when they are say, the 60s and 70s and even in the 80s. Uh, yeah. uh, the miracle of medicine, to say the very least. So, But so far, I mean, just like the, uh, that squeak still cracks me up. Well, I need to be outraged. I want to be outraged, but then I look at the record. So (laughs) they're fine. All right. So Robbie Ray, we got to touch on him. Uh, That was kind of like the midweek excitement is that we knew the Tigers are going to need a spot starter. Uh, I believe Anibal Sanchez is not going to be eligible to come off the disabled list until the 12th. That means uh, they need a starter on Tuesday, May 6th, and on also on May 11th. So, it looks like, uh, and obviously I do have to bring up, the blister was supposedly so bad it actually grossed out Brad Ausmus because he actually made a comment about it in, in the post game. And uh, but That's, yeah, <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. I'm glad I didn't see any pictures of that. I was going to say I made the mistake because that, that got me thinking. Well, how bad can a pitcher blister really get? So I made the mistake of going up to Google Images and searching for pitcher blisters, you know, on the fingers. Mm-hmm. Holy crap! That is some. It looks like a small rodent had maybe, you know, gotten in there and, and uh, performed disgusting acts with that finger. So it's just <laughs> – I, I no longer wonder why he went on the 15-day DL because I was surprised at first. Well, mm-hmm. It's a blister. Jeez, you know, yeah. don't those, like, callus up within a couple of days? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, not that blister. Obviously, he doesn't use the pickle juice like um, uh, Nolan Ryan used to use. So. That's right. Yeah. But uh, – uh, Ray is going to, yeah, but Ray's going to get the start. He's going to step up, and he has pitched well in Toledo. He's made Dombrowski look good. Three and one record, one point five nine ERA, and five starts over twenty one, twenty eight and a third innings. The the issue with this one is, well, can fans keep their expectations under control? Because no, <laughs> yeah, and the and the big example of that is look back to Justin Verlander in two thousand five. Um, you'll have to remind me because that was that was right at the tail end of my uh, baseball hiatus. He looked he was very mediocre. He got hit hard in the start, and you know he looked like a guy who wasn't ready. And we expected better. Yeah, exactly, because because he was a number one draft. Oh sure, he was very highly talked up. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's. I mean, what what can you expect out of Ray? I mean, there, mm-hmm. there, I guess that there's there's a lot of pressure there because the expectations are so high because this is part of that. Um, you know, that, that Doug Fister trade that, you know, this is kind of the, the piece that everybody said, this was, was supposed to make the Fister trade worth it was that we were getting Robbie Ray. So to have him come out and, you know, perform is kind of like that, that that's the validation of the whole thing right there, but it's going to be tempt, very tempting. I think to want to judge that whole trade on, on one performance. 
And that's yep. the other thing to remember is that what if your pitch is great? Uh, that will spin uh, expectations out of control. And that's the other fear as well is that small sample size. And, again, he's going against the Astros in his first start, who might as well be considered a 4A team. Well, right, and I think somebody on Twitter pointed or on our, our site made that comment that mm-hmm. Robbie Ray's been dealing with minor league teams, so it's good for him to start against yeah. the minor league team <laughs> on Tuesday. Yeah. But you, you raise a good point. That, that, that Whether he performs poorly or whether he performs brilliantly, you, you just can't take a whole lot away from one start. Yep. So what do you what do you do? I guess you know enjoy the game. Enjoy and, the game. Hope for the best and look for signs that we you see what Dave Dombrowski saw in him because you, you know one I don't think the Tigers are going to ask more than five innings of the guy anyway. And uh, even though you know the Astros are a bad team, they, they still have some legitimate big league players on their roster. So. Uh, see how he does against legit guys. You know, there, you know, there's a there's a, there's a few guys that could at least make the Tigers roster, I would think. Right. So, you know, look for the small things. Look, you know, look for just look to be encouraged. Look for the good stuff if it's bad, and temper your expectations if it's good. Because, and you know, this goes for everything. No one is as bad as they look on their worst day. No one is as good as they are on their best day. And the real person is somewhere in between. Odds are that's what, be, that's what Robert Ray is going to be. Because even Dave Dombrowski has said he thinks Ray is a number three type starter. So he's not going to be Justin Ver- The odds are good, anyway. He's not going to be Justin Verlander. But if he become another Doug Fister, well, wonderful. And that, but yeah. then again, he's not going to be another Doug Fister in his first big league start. No, it'll take time to get there. Mm-hmm. So it's good that he's, uh, you know, ready enough to be able to step up and do this spot start because they need somebody, obviously. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's nice to get some value out of the guy. I think that's about all you you know all you can ask at this point. Give me give me five good innings. Yeah. You know, maybe if, he may give up a couple of runs, but let's you know as long as it's not a you know, fifteen run blowout. Yeah. And, and think of it this way: uh, last year their number six starter was Jose Alvarez, and I think Robbie yeah. Ray does have a little more upside. To say the very least. And do you remember his his first start? Yeah, Alvarez, he looked I mean. great. Yeah, he, he went out there and he had like five or six uh, innings on shut out the yes. Indians or something, wasn't it? That's exactly right. He yeah. went up against the Indians and pitched brilliantly, and we all said, "Holy cow!" Can Where's we get this guy this? been? <laughs> yeah, and then it all fell apart. Where he's only he's not even the system in the system anymore, I believe. No, he got he got tagged by the Angels, I think, yeah. after that, pretty bad. And it all and, went uh, downhill. And, and obviously, and he didn't do anything in September either. So no, he got pulled up in the bullpen after that. Right. You know, but yeah. So there you go. Yeah. You know, what, what's that first start really tell you? Not not a whole lot. It just shows that no one knows what he, what he's like because they've never seen him before. That's about it. Bingo. All right. All right. Speaking of expectations under control, uh, we, we should touch on the uh, Brian Holiday versus Alex Avila. Con- I want to call it a controversy, but it it has shown up uh, in certain parts of the internet and. Yes, uh, Holiday has played fairly well as of late. Uh, Avila was rested, uh, I think, the last three or four games uh, due to back spasms because Alex Avila uh, essentially is a punching bag behind a plate. I'm sure when some, if sometime a doctor will investigate and they will find a ball magnet somewhere in, inside his body or some such. I, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, a he ball needs, and wood, a leather and, and a leather and wood magnet that or something to that effect. Because I'm all in favor. Yet. 
I, I would prefer to see him come out and catch those games from inside a regulation-sized tank <laughs> from now on. Yeah, I think we should be the boy in a plastic bubble. To say exactly. The <laughs> uh, and over the last two games, Holday actually had a pretty big series in the, in the uh, short two-game series uh, against the White Sox. He had three hits in the series, three RBI, which included, as we brought up earlier, a really neat game-winning squeeze bunt in the ninth inning where uh, the, he said, I was doing it on my own. And it was really cool in that he saw it, the bench saw it, they were trying to signal him, but he still was able to figure out, oh, this is a good time to lay down a bunt. He did it, drove in the game-winning run, which was the game we were talking about earlier, the 4-3 win. Uh, But that also leads to fans crying that Avila is awful offensively, and he sucks, and he's awful, and he's only on the team because of his dad, and they should play uh, Brian Holiday more often. And this is where... People need to look at the numbers because, you know, as we, we've been saying it earlier, uh, you, you think one thing, but then hard, cold numbers tell you another. The week before he was hurt, Alex Avila hit 286. He got on base at a 375 clip, and he slugged 429. That's an 804 OPS, which is awesome out of a catcher. And let's not forget, Alex Avila, I think it's – I think. The, no question about it. He's a far. He's probably the best defensive catcher the Tigers have right now, and we saw how they do a good job of trying to throw the ball around uh, in the in the White Sox. Right. But again, right. you know, I this isn't the you know fans are are bad and stupid. This is one of those things where we've admitted on this podcast what you see sometimes doesn't always gel with what with the numbers actually say. Avila looks like he's struggling because we remember he had a god awful stretch where he, you know, he let he he may still be leading the team in strikeouts. He you know, he seemed like he had a uh, a golden sombrero. If he didn't get a golden sombrero, he was having a good game. But he really picked up. You look at the numbers and say, oh yeah, he would, he's hitting the ball. And that's another thing where you know look kind of look a little bit deeper than mm-hmm. just those two games. Just because Brian Holiday. Uh, and anyway, he only had three hits in two games, and one of them was a double that dropped in two runs, and the other was the bunt uh, of those hits. Right, so, right. And I think the other one was an infield single. So it's not like he's <laughs> ripping the cover off the ball. But this is one of those things. There's a reason why Brian Holiday is a backup catcher. He's a decent backup catcher, the kind of guy you want to have on the roster. But he's going to get exposed if he plays every damn day. Right. And so, again, you go, what do you expect out of the guy? He's a backup catcher. He had a couple of good games. Um in fact, I counted back three games, not just the mm-hmm. two in um, Chicago, because he did catch the one in uh, in Minnesota, too, right. before that. Mm-hmm. And over that three-game stretch, 333 average, 844 OPS, you know, yeah. good, good for him. Um, but as you mentioned, people often forget about the defensive component. Yes. And, and by defensive, I don't just mean that he catches the ball mm-hmm. or throws the ball. I think we're also talking about, uh, you know, the ability to uh, work with the pitchers, the yes. pitch sequencing, pitch mm-hmm. framing, that whole thing goes into the defense. Yeah. Avila will always be superior mm-hmm. in that, you know, to to Brian Holiday, who is still essentially a rookie. Yep. So good for him. We we can be thankful, you know, for the for the production that he did give in those couple of games that he was called up. But uh, oh god, you know, it was Wednesday's game, and uh, a friend of mine, I love him dearly, I do. Yeah. Um, but we 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 know that we disagree with each other on how to you know mm-hmm. <laughs> interpret this team and mm-hmm. and the way they play. He sent me a little a note on on Wednesday <laughs> and said. Alex Avila is hitting uh, .053 in day games. Yeah. 
And uh, it's a, in other news, my favorite ice cream flavor is nepotism. <laughs> and I, just, I laughed and, you know, I said, hey, I think you've got these guys confused with the Lions again. This mm-hmm. is actually a good team. And uh, we're, we're allowed to say nice things about them. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> but it's, it's, that whole, it's that whole small sample size thing. And, and, and uh, I'll address that, too, because, you know, you bring up Avila's stats in the last seven games that he played. Mm-hmm. They look good. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, we've caught some flack from from certain people before and saying, mm-hmm. well, come on, you can slice and dice the numbers any way you want to make right. them look good. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You have to do the same thing with Holiday. Yeah. You have to take a very small two, three-game sample size. And to have people turn around and say he should be the starting catcher, make Avila the backup, which I have seen. Mm-hmm. In fact, I read that quote to you last week. Yeah. And that was, that was before Holiday had yeah. a good game. Yeah. You know, so you kind of go, look, here we are again. Take these things for what they're worth, you know. But let's not to jump to the crazy, long-reaching conclusions as a result of it. Yeah, and and you brought up the best point is that the most important part of Avila's job is handling the pitching staff. And I don't think there's any question at all that the Tigers' pitchers are better when he's behind the plate. It's not an offensive position. Yeah, it's not, you know, like you said, if you get that much out of Avila, you're doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I, I ran some numbers from last year too, just for all of 2013 to see where he ranked against, you know, some of his peers in MLB, and uh, you know he's in the top ten. Yeah. Once you start, uh, you know, mm-hmm. limiting to uh, 300 plate appearances and that kind of, you know, set those filters right. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, the only guys that are ahead of Avila are, are the names like Salvador Perez. Yeah. Uh, you know, Castro. <laughs> you know, some of these guys are like, yeah, they're they're all stars. Right. Not not everyone can be an all star. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's the problem. Maybe maybe we have certain fans that, that think every player should be. Bingo. Every, every, you have to have uh, eight position players who are all-stars. Your pitcher should be a Cy Young winner, and your manager should be manager of the year, every year. That would make for a very boring all-star game, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> this year at uh, Target Field will be the National League versus the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> All right, so... As we're winding down the home stretch here, let's bring out a little discussion topic that was thrown out there because it's an ongoing trend in Major League Baseball, and the Tigers actually have a good position player that this could apply to. And Rob posted it this past week in that the question, should the Tigers extend Nick Castellanos? Uh, obviously, the latest trend in baseball is to lock up young talent to long-term contracts and buying out their first few years of free agency. And all you got to do is look what the Angels have done with Mike Trout. Uh, the Braves have done it with uh, several players, including Andrew Lynn Simmons. Even the Royals got into the act and, and locked up Salvador Perez. The question is, should the Tigers do the same with Castellanos? And the thing is, we're not saying do it right now. Maybe, you know, it would be see how the season goes and let's talk about it in the offseason, and then maybe talk about locking this guy up uh, you know, into his early, you know, when he's pushing 30 or so, uh, when guys, most of these deals are trying to do is that you're trying to get these guys locked up at least into their prime rather than having them hit free agency before they hit their primes. And, that, you know, because we all, at least now we're out of the steroid era, guys tend to decline unless they're Hall of Fame caliber players once they hit about 30, 31 years old. So the question is, Hookslide, is this something you think the Tigers are do, want to do? Because they seem to have backed off of offering extensions to every damn player they have, because that got them into trouble a few years ago. Right. And there's there's wisdom uh, on both sides, I think, you know, of saying, uh, especially with someone like Castellanos. Yeah. 
I still want to say Castellanos every time. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't break that. He, it's his fault. But um, I, you know, I, he's looked good so far. And again, it's still it's still so so early to say. You know, if he's going to be a good fit at that position long term, talk to me again in September. You know, if we have a year's worth of a season's worth of statistics to kind of look at. Yeah. Um, but so far, he looks good, and if he continues to play well and hit the ball to all fields like he can, you know, seems to be able to do, and you know, mm. develop a little more power, um, I think he's he would make a very good case. Yeah. For somebody that you would want to go ahead and and uh, you know get him for as many years as you can at a, at a good rate. Because you know what, what? What are the alternatives then? Right now, <laughs> they don't have much. That's for sure. It's it's a little scary. Yeah. And you know, so it, he seems like more of a sure thing than not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you said, they're not. They don't need to pull the trigger right now. It's May. No, know? no. And for that matter, they could wait a couple years because he is under yes. control for quite some time. No rush then. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is this. Once again. Uh, we're, no, we're saying, yeah, Cassianos has played well. He looks good. But if you look at his numbers going into tonight's game, he's only hitting uh, three, 233 of a 275 on base percentage. But that factors in a week ago, his OPS was right around 800. That's how right. much things change right now so early in the season. But uh, a bad series this early in the year, and he hasn't had a hit in three games, can really knock your numbers for a loop because he was hitting 274 oh, yeah. three games ago. Exactly. But, exactly. But yeah. even his outs seem to be he's hitting the ball hard. He's not. He doesn't look like a guy who's overwhelmed, even when he's not hitting the ball. No, no. And, and that's what you. I think this early in the season, you have to look at that. Yeah. Uh, you have to look at is he making contact? Is he making hard contact? That he has. Uh, what does his swing look like? I've been again impressed that he can kind of inside out the ball and go to the opposite field, and he has shown you know at least a modest amount of, of power and hit a couple home runs. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, let's. He's got some growing to do. Obviously, this is his first full, you know, season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would still put him up there in the top three, uh, you know, contenders for rookie of the year. Definitely. The year. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Because I have a feeling Jose Abreu has got to come back to the pack sooner or later. Even though he's hitting, but you could make an argument: Is he really a true rookie anyway? Because you know, he, you know, he played out of Cuba for so long. Yeah, he's like, right. like twenty six years old or something like that. That's right. But yeah, he's still a scary, scary hitter, and I was glad to see, for the most part, the Tigers were able to keep him under control the last couple of games. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this is one of those where I, I'm sure that this is the Tigers are thinking about it, but uh, he's going to be under team control for like six years, and he's not going to hit arbitration for like three, two or three. So there's no hurry in this, but I can understand the logic behind it. Uh, but. Right now, you know, it's I I don't want to put any more undue pressure on this kid, and 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 that's it's the main thing. He doesn't look overwhelmed. He doesn't look like he's scared out there. He's actually performed fairly well in some tight situations. You know, he had the what the uh, like a game time hit in the first week of the season, things like that. And really, he's been better defensively. Than I think we all thought he was going to be. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, better than Cabrera, <laughs> <laughs> or at least that same as I don't yeah. know. I mean, maybe slightly better, but he's not. You know. I, like you said, it's it's still way too early to be talking about mm-hmm. them pulling the trigger right now. But you know, give him give him a year and let's see. I think he's going to prove to be a really really good addition, and I think it will make a lot more sense mm-hmm. maybe early next year. Yeah, and it's been so long since we've really seen a a what looks like could be a budding star coming out of the Tiger system. That's a position player, and the, and I guess the other thing to bring up when it comes to wondered about extending the guy right away is remember how good Brennan Bosch looked for about six, about three months? 
So, you know, <laughs> and uh, he's bounced around. He's probably on his fourth organization at this point now. So, but, uh, you know, and there was talk at that, you know, he he was so hot when he got called up. And he was one of those guys where Bosch, where I don't think the Tigers ever thought of him as a legitimate big-time prospect. They called him up at the time because they, they needed some hitting. Uh, he was the hottest bat at Toledo at the time. And amazingly enough, he didn't stop when he came up to Detroit, at least for the first three months. And there was talk that he should have made the All-Star team that year. Wow. And, That's right. You know, and obviously uh, we thought, oh, yes, the Tigers have their right fielder of the future. Well, he's now a uh, the backup outfielder for um, – where the hell is he with? Is he uh, the Angels? The Angels, exactly. That's where we saw him. We saw him in the, against in the Angels series where he dropped yeah. a fly ball. So That's right. <laughs> very Boschian of him. You know, is that term we like to use? Boschian. We're in that double zero. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I saw some very disturbing news today, Hookslide. It turns out, yes, yeah, very disturbing. I'd, I'd be concerned if I was a fan. And that is the Tigers are bonding over Zubas. Oh no, Jabba, uh, Jabba Chamberlain has a connection, you know. Makes, you know, well, he's out of New York. He probably knows people, quote unquote, and uh, he's getting everyone on the team orange and blue Zuba's pants. Dear God. <laughs> well, okay, so yeah, for the people who don't know um, what that is, I, I had to do a little bit of research and went to go look, and uh, uh, the Zubas are, are basically a, they're, they're a kind of pants, I guess. Sort mm-hmm. of pant-like garment for the uh, lower extremities <laughs> that are, are are meant. I think in their color and in their design patterns, they are meant to sort of stimulate some uh, you know someone who's recently been enjoying hallucinogenic drugs. <laughs> and and they also communicate, I think, the, the 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 message to 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 the world that I still enjoy the music of Vanilla Ice. It's <laughs> basically what these what these pants are meant to communicate. Because I guess this this was popular. And I barely remember this back in the early 90s. Uh, as someone who was actually of age in the late 80s, early 90s, when actually I was in my late 20s, early 30s, I actually wore Zubas. Did you really? <laughs> well, my, the softball team I played with at the time. Oh, yeah. But, okay. And uh, we all bought matching Zubas. <laughs> I, I think that I may actually have had a pair mm-hmm. that were like light blue and dark blue uh, that I'd probably got handed down to me secondhand by, you know, a cousin or something, but I seem to remember that they have the kind of tapered, mm-hmm. you know, they taper down by the ankles. So you exactly. Get the kind of, the, 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 you would, pretty much the only people you might see wearing Zubas today for the most part are like bodybuilders because of that tapered look. And it's, it's, they're very, just, you know, the, the 80, late 80s, early 90s were a very weird time for fashion. I mean, you, you don't want to see <laughs> hair, my, what my hair looked like back then. So <laughs> I, think, I think we do. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, mullets. Uh, I tried a mullet at the time. I also tried the, um, you know, the perm on the top and the longer oh, hair oh, in the oh, back and the short on the sides. You know, it's a, it was an so experimental this, time. This illustrates, then, I think, the age difference between us because I yes. think in the early '90s, my haircut of choice was the bowl cut, <laughs> and I was still pegging my my pants. You know, which I think were were stone washed white jeans. Well, actually, time. and actually, pegging was uh, was in fashion back then, not for oh, yeah. adults. I mean, I vaguely admit to doing it. So, <laughs> so the point is, the Tigers are bringing back the Zubas. Yes, they're bringing back the Zubas, according to um, to the news we've saw. But uh, in the, on, the, on the cool side of it, it's kind of fun. 
And I, I, I'm hoping to see, I'm sure we will see pictures on social networks from the Tigers of them, uh, hopefully a group shot of wearing orange and blue Zubas. I would, yes. and I would suggest either wear sunglasses or, as Hookfly suggested, take a mind-altering drug of some sort because yeah, I would not they're going to look good. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't even look at that picture if you're prone to seizures. <laughs> so be careful. And I say I'm all in favor of the Zubas if, and this is a big if, yeah. if they'll allow them to wear them on the field because <laughs> that would be so awesome. I mean, they kind of look like the standard pajama pants style. Yeah, that's the best way to pull on it. They're like pajama pants. Bingo. You know, like the, like the uniforms are anyway. So why not if they're going to be, you know, team color, blue and orange, then – yeah, let's and, and then every uh, every batter can use like MC Hammer for their walk up music, you know, or Tone Loke, you know, or whatever. Can't touch this. <laughs> you wouldn't want to. There you go. Not, <laughs> not in those pants. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and um, uh, it uh, brings back good and bad memories, to say the very least, of my, my fashion choices uh, way back when, when I uh, w- was spending way too much on Nikes and. And probably not enough on haircuts or something. So, <laughs> regardless, yes, it does show our extreme age differences. When uh, I was married with a house and <laughs> and a job, and you were running around your parents' backyard in a bowl cut at the same time, skateboarding. Yeah, <laughs> there you go, skateboarding all the time. All right, so now uh, let's wrap up this show, uh, Hook Slide. So, anything else you want to add before we uh, call the afternoon and prepare for a weekend of baseball in Kansas City? Yeah, the Tigers are back on top of the Vegas lists. Oh, yes, yes. I wrote a uh, post. This and morning. I appreciate you taking that post rather than me because I've been the one that's been writing it. And you did try to do something a little more interesting with it. And you explained the betting, which helps. Yeah, just because it's, you know, people look at those numbers. And if you haven't been, you know, involved with the Vegas bookie recently, then, you know, God bless you. Mm-hmm. Um, I really haven't myself. That's a joke, guys. <laughs> but, um, you know, to, to look at those numbers and not really understand, you know, you kind of go, yeah, so what? So they got 13 to 2 odds. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it did help to kind of explain it, I think, for some people. And I was more interested in seeing how those percentages moved Yeah. from, uh, you know, when they first mm-hmm. issued those odds back in, in March. So, But the point of my post still stands that th- this is ultimately bad news. Yeah. Bad. If, I, if I bet on this team, mm-hmm. now that they're best odds, you know, to win the World Series, if I put money down, they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. So I will, I will promise – you know, to everyone in the Bless You Boys community that I will not put money down on the Tigers to win the series this year, provided you all send me very, very sizable checks. <laughs> and then I'll stay away from them and your your team can have a chance. Yeah. So. But uh, it's uh, – and I'll just add this. If you bet on baseball, you mm-hmm. are a degenerate gambler because there's not a worse sport in the world to bet on. If you're going uh, to bet on – you're going to bet on a sport, bet on football. It's, it's much more – what's the um, – uh, the uh, the odds are good teams are going to win far more often in pro football than they are you know you know we see in time and time again with Major League Baseball that uh, hell the Astros beat the Tigers last year so you know I, I, I mentioned this in the post too because I, I actually do bet on baseball occasionally I, mm-hmm. I mean I'm talking I put the cheap bets down dollar yep. two dollars but I string together the parlay bets mm-hmm. where every one of your teams has to win in order to get anything out well, of those it those are sucker bets oh I know they are but it's so tempting for a guy like me to go yeah I, I know enough about the statistics yeah. you know to go mm-hmm. I should be able to pick eight winners come on <laughs> out of twenty teams you know. 15 mm. matchups, I should be able to pick seven to eight winners, and I, I can't. And, and because this is what happened the last three nights, 
the Miami Marlins swept the Atlanta Braves. Bingo. There you go. They beat them like nine to nothing one night, nine mm-hmm. to one the next night. It was ridiculous. It was, yeah, you're right. It's it's degenerate for suckers like me. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It seems, it's funny that I seem to have had when I have bet on sports, I I stay away from baseball. Uh, I love betting on horses just because you know this, that's one of those things where. You know, you bet on the name, or you, well, I'd like to look at those silks. I'm going to bet on that, or, uh, or of course, football because one, I'm a huge football fan, and uh, and two, well, the odds seem to be a little more in your favor if you follow the sport. Yeah, baseball. Uh, I've always, I, to be honest with you, I've had, my best luck I've ever had betting was uh, taking prop bets in Vegas on the Super Bowl. <laughs> Oh, wow. You get all the goofy stuff like uh, heads or tails or who's going to score the uh, the first field goal, goofy crap like that. I feel like I have better odds because it's essentially a toss of the coin uh, when it comes to making a bet. Yeah, I mean, it is and it isn't, especially if you're doing parlay betting. That's just, yeah. it's, it's stupid. I don't know why I do it. I, I, like I said, it's, it's, the, it's the allure of being able to put $2 down and get 500 back, you yeah. know, if all 18 it's win. The, it's the roulette of, it is. of, uh, of sports gaming. It is, and I, I say it's ironic because I, I still read You Can't Predict Baseball, the site, every day. You know, you'd think I would know by now that you can't freaking predict it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess to me it is a little bit more of a sure thing. If you do it, if if I had any common sense, mm-hmm. I would put maybe $10 down a game on Detroit to win every single game. Yeah, and you'd win. You and should, you probably, you yeah, should you come play. out ahead. Yeah, come end. out ahead. Because yeah. they're going to play above 500 this year, you know. So it, it can be a safe bet, but, you know, yeah. but that's not fun. Well, I, I, I do agree with you, though, because I love playing roulette, even though I know it's the worst bet in the damn house when you're in a casino. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you just can't help yourself. It's a fun thing to do. Here it is. And I even know the odds, Al. Yeah. I know. I've looked it up. To win an eight-team parlay, it's like one in 500,000, yeah. you know, to win it. It's ridiculous odds. But here I go. Yep. So, as always, uh, go to uh, – it's Bovada who supplies the odds, so feel free to check out. I think it's bovadalv.lz. So, uh, if you, if there's a uh, – but they're not paying us for the plug. They just email us all the odds. You know, That's right. Old Jimmy Shapiro uh, emails all of us, I believe, with odds. And, and, and it's really funny, though. You can tell when the ads – when he gets the email out because all the beat writers post it. We post it pretty much every damn site in the world. Uh, sporting world posts the odds, and it's it's, it's hilarious because we all do it. We all do it, and it's good. But the the point, I guess, beyond the personal mm-hmm. betting stories or whatever, is yeah. hey, the Tigers are, are pick number one again. Yeah, bingo. And the Dodgers are right behind them. Yeah. Um, so here's to hopefully. I mean, I thought the same thing last year, mm-hmm. but here's hoping again that for a Tigers Dodgers, uh, you know, matchup in October. Bingo. All right, let's uh, wrap up uh, the show. Uh, where can the listeners find you online, Mr. Oakslide? Oh, you caught me drinking something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hookslide, B-Y-B, and occasionally tweeting for Bless You Boys at Bless You Boys. Yeah, uh, same here. You can find me on Twitter, Big Al, B-Y-B, and uh, tweeting on at Bless You Boys as well. Uh, also be on the lookout for uh, actually the, the SB Nation Twitter account. I believe it's um, uh, SB Nation MLB. Uh, and, of course, come to blessyouboys.com every day to get your uh, fix when it comes to Detroit Tigers baseball because we have been cranking out the content, and sometimes I wonder how the hell we do it, but we still manage right. to do it. But 
And, oh, uh, you know, yeah. Kyle, two things real quick. Right. Uh, just to remind everybody about the uh, meetup. Ah, yes. We, I know we mentioned it last week, um, but I'm sure you'll put the details in the in the show notes on the post. But, yeah, guys, don't forget to get your money into Allison. Get your tickets for that meetup. And uh, also, I wanted to say hi to Jim. Hi, Jim. Jim, Jim who left a, a comment on our last podcast that it was his first podcast that he listened to, but he will be joining us from now on. So oh, yes, welcome. I saw that. Jim Bunn, I believe. Jim Bunn. Jim welcome, Bunn. To the, welcome to the show, Jim. Yes. And, and, and Allison is actually at the Kentucky Derby right now. So, which so reminds fancy. me that someone, I, I, one of us is going to have to put together the game for it. Because <laughs> yeah, she's actually at the Kentucky Oaks right now as we speak. And I can say from personal experience that the Kentucky Derby uh, one is probably the one spot where I've seen the most drunkest people in one concentrated spot on the face of the planet. And two, I didn't like mint juleps. Um, I, yeah, I disagree on both points. Because <laughs> on the first point, you've clearly never been to one of my family reunions. Oh. On the second point, <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you, man? Mint <laughs> juleps are great on a sunny day. Well, you know, it's, uh, I've just never been a bourbon guy. Okay, well, this show is over, and we are going to fight afterwards. So, uh, I'm a gin man. What can I say? I like my gin. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, hey, we all have our eccentricities. So, <laughs> All right, with that, let's start wrapping up this podcast. So, uh until this time next week, this is Al Beaton saying good afternoon and good luck. Go along with Hookslide. Saying that I am nothing but eccentricities. <laughs> and we'll try to be just as eccentric on next week's Bless You Boys podcast. That's good advice. Thanks, big fella. Uh, I'm your host, Al Beaton, co-managing editor of Bless You Boys. Oh, crap, i got to sneeze. <laughs> Good Lord, there's no way I was going to be able to hold it. You know, so. <laughs> All right, let's try that again. Hey, I, I want that whole piece saved for the outtake. <laughs> yeah, <really. laughs>